Welcome to a special episode of CRST, the podcast. In this episode, we're diving into successful strategies to help improve your business model. I'm Florian Kretz, founder and CEO of PBK Precise Vision in Rhine, Germany, and joining me is a panel of four surgeons who hail from all over the world. Francesco Coronas, Medical Director and Physician CEO, Coronas Vision Milan, Andre Philip, Ama Optimex Eye Clinic Romania, Magda Rao, Augenklinik Calm and Refractive Private Clinic Dr. Rao in Calm Germany, and Arsa Vandenberg, Universidad Federal de Sao Paulo, Brazil. And we are going to cover the topics about reducing costs, controlling staff term over and retention, enhancing patient interaction to improve business in the time of COVID-19 telemedicine and increasing workflow efficiency and we'll give you some real world examples of what we have learned, changed and even improved in our clinics during the pandemic. Let's jump right into it. Francesco, what steps have you taken to reduce costs, control staff turnover and retention and in-person patient interaction to improve business in the time of COVID-19? Well, Gloria, you know, uh, the COVID times uh, here in Italy have been very harder. The um, pandemic hit very strongly, especially in northern Italy where I'm based. Uh, but surprisingly, uh, the economy has not been hit uh, as severely as the, let's say, the, the patients, the, the people uh, who got sick. So in other words, uh, obviously we had a reduction in volume uh, and uh, we had some, uh, you know, extra expenses uh, to face with, like uh, disposables, like uh, you know, all the PPE uh, and, and so. But in full honesty, we, we we didn't really have to cut down costs significantly. And uh, we, what what we had to do uh, basically is more on uh, the uh, patient outreach, uh, meaning being able to, uh, you know. Uh, um, involve the patients uh, who were uh, remotely involvable only because they could not come to the practice very easily. But uh, the fact that, uh, um, uh, you know, um, uh, going out of the, from, from, from the house, uh, I mean, uh, uh, breaking the lockdown uh, for medical reasons was one of the few reasons for uh, the people to uh, actually, you know, leave their houses. Uh, we, we, we maintained a pretty, pretty good volume, uh, even during March, April and May last year, the uh, COVID-19 hit uh, uh, strong in the strongest way. Um, what we really did to, uh, uh, you know, involve the patients is uh, to improve uh, patients' uh, interaction. So we did a lot of initiatives uh, as regards, uh, you know, uh, uh, remotely uh, um, giving information and giving uh, education to the patients. Uh, we started doing webinars uh, uh, to the patients. Uh, we started do doing like a club webinars as well, which means uh, small numbers uh, with a very, a lot of interaction with the patients. Uh, we tried to focus not only on uh, core business uh, uh, issues like surgery or, uh, uh, you know, whatever, we tried more to uh, involve the patients uh, on uh, uh, topics they were more interested about. So we took, we did, uh, you know, some webinars related to COVID. We did some webinars related to, uh, you know, uh, for instance, dry eyes related to the use of the mask, all, all of these things. And actually, these initiatives worked uh, pretty well uh, at the point that um, even now that we are almost out of the problem, uh, uh, a lot of initiatives, a lot of changes uh, are still in place, and I think they will never go away. 
So your main focus was really to like go for patient interaction. What I think is like a, a great way instead of going to this this typical typical marketing aspect that we all doctors use is find the patient, get a refractive treatment or cataract treatment, and then best you don't see the patient again. You did it completely differently. You really like bound the patient to your practice, gave the patient like trust in your practice. I think that's a that's a really nice way of coping the issue of COVID. Andre, what steps have you taken? So as you, I think it, it happened to all of you, um, we were shocked at the beginning. So we froze and we didn't know what to expect. And uh, we knew that us as owners of the clinic uh, uh, have the responsibility to take care of all our team because I think that the team is one of the most important assets that we have. And uh, the first decision we made was to not cut any costs. So uh, we paid in full all our employees and we have quite some, we are over 60 people. And um, we decided that, you know, in good times we are together and we have to be together also in bad times. So uh, we use this to strengthen the relationship we have with our team and to build their trust, you know. Also, I think that um, uh, this approach was, you know, somehow very useful uh, in order to uh, allow them to become more involved even in those, I don't know, uncertain times, you know. And then after uh, the lockdown, uh, it finished, uh, we tried to keep everything as it was, as most as possible. And we, we also continued to have um, new technology coming into our clinic because we had the same idea that during difficult times, uh, people have to feel that we are there strong and we, are not, we know what we are doing. And uh, something like this will not um, uh, cripple us in any um, way, let's say. Asa, you're working in Brazil and Sao Paulo, completely different part of the world compared to Andre. How did you cover with the problems of COVID-19 and with your staff, and especially in the university, which is also a different setup than private? We have different uh, impact Uh, in the university and in my private uh, private office. And during the pandemic, uh, our first step, obviously, was to reduce costs. And to do that, we, we reduced uh, staff working hours and consequently salaries. And in addition, there was a big impact on the logistics of the entire team. And we also ha had to renegotiate some contracts uh, with the providers. And here uh, in my, my clinic, we also observed that the patient uh, became more digitalized. And so they started to be more aware of technological investments. And we, we already had our uh, our integrated diagnostic and surgical center uh, with uh, a lot of technologies and 
uh, speeding up planning, uh, pre-op planning, minimizing uh, uh, the possibility of uh, errors, uh, the printing of documents uh, also reduced with the technology too, and which led a, a decrease in chances of contamination. I think this gave patients a feeling of greater safety in this this uh, this time, and in the university that uh, is not a private uh, uh, my private practice, uh, the impact the impact was 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 really really important. Uh, the the cataract surgeries uh, stopped. Uh, all, all, all over the university, the, the elective procedures uh, was impossible to, to be continued. And uh, it was a really difficult time. We, we are still in a very critical situation uh, here in Brazil uh, with a high number of patients in hospital and high contagion rates. And our uh, probably different, different from Europe. Uh, here we see around only 12% uh, uh, vaccinated uh, of vaccination rate. It's really, really very, very low. And uh, we are still uh, uh, suffering uh, this, this impact uh, nowadays. Magda, you are in South Germany. And I know in Bavaria, especially like the regulations were even stricter than in many other parts in Germany. How did, did you cope with the COVID situation and keep your practice running? In the beginning of the pandemic, COVID pandemic was this situation very scary for everybody. The patients were afraid to go for examination for the clinic. So uh, to reduce the cost. Uh, we offer the patients only some hours, only half a day, some day on the mornings and in the afternoon uh, to anyway, but to be available for the patients. We are not allowed in Bavaria uh, to perform the scheduled operations, so the operation that cancelled the patients uh, anyway would not come to the operations. So I reduced the staff in uh, Germany. We have such a government program uh, which support uh, the short work. So we received a part of the salary of the, of the employees reimbursed uh, from the government. It was a great help. Uh, the other point was that we did not have surgery, so we, the costs were lower because we did not have uh, the costs for the lenses, you know, for the other material which we use for the operations. We treated only patients uh, with emergency acute uh, problems as inflammation, iridocyclitis, glaucoma, issues, etc. But in summer, the situation changed and slowly the patients start to come uh, to our clinic. We start as well with the uh, operation. I was lucky that I did not uh, dismiss my staff, nobody of my staff. So we start work again. In that time, it was interesting, the interest of the, on the refractive uh, surgery 
increased because the patients are spending a lot of time on their screens and some are limited with the glasses or with contact lenses. So I, uh, I concentrate myself and my business uh, to this part of the ophthalmologist. We offer the refractive surgery. We advertise, I guess we're advertising in the radio to cover the gap which uh, developed during the COVID. And in autumn, in the winter, the situation completely changed because the patient lost the fear of the, of the COVID. So we get a lot of patients for operations. Uh, so I, I need to stuff as before. And we did not more to go to the short work. So it was much better situation. So, so we, we react, we, we reduce the cost in the time when it was necessary, but still we had the stuff to have when the time changes and when the patient again came to examination and as well to the surgeries. I think it's very interesting to see those like different approaches that everybody took. Uh, we in Northern Germany did a similar thing. Like Andre, we kept our staff. We were lucky the government supported us to reduce the hours. And well, like Asa said, I think the workflow management during COVID was what really helped us to stay on track and to especially come back on track by managing uh, patient flow in that situation. Um, Magda, you were also talking a lot about like expenses and also reducing the expenses. Did you also start negotiating about prices with the companies that were reduced or like we had to experience that many prices went up, especially for sterile solutions, drapes and coats. So Magda, how did you cope with that situation of the change of prices and less patients coming in, especially in the beginning of the pandemic? Uh, so I tried to reduce costs. At, uh, on the beginning, we did not uh, the surgical mask. We did not have uh, the grab, uh, the scraps. We did not have uh, the caps. So I tried to get the protection, uh, protection stuff, on different sources and internet. So I, I, I see that I have to reduce uh, the cost. So I deal with some companies, uh, some provider of intraocular lenses, and some companies gave me uh, lower prices, but somebody knows they said it was the quality cost price. But at that time, I tried as well to offer some patient because some patients have interest on expensive uh, of the newest technologies, but some patients lost as well uh, their occupation, their jobs in Bavaria, in Germany. And in all part of the world, so they cannot afford such an expensive method. So I as well um, ordered uh, bifocal lenses and I offered the patient as well uh, some out of lenses, uh, which cost not so much money. I changed my uh, business strategy. I oriented my clinic as well on the cheaper IOLs. Francesco, what was most expensive for you in that time or what cost you the most? And um, when you look back in the time, what gave you the most return 
beside that patient interaction that you had? All right, so the largest uh, costs we had uh, were uh, related to the uh, tests because uh, for uh, a medical practice uh, to, keep in, to keep on being open in Italy, uh, like anti-COVID tests uh, became mandatory and uh, uh, you know, being something totally different, being something totally new, being something that uh, patients were not supposed to cover and uh, being the tests, uh, especially at the very beginning, quite expensive, uh, uh, you know, uh, that, that was a larger cost. So we had to start doing uh, like PCR and uh, uh, antibodies at the very beginning because the antigen test was not available yet uh, uh, to the patients who were uh, coming to the practice. Uh, and uh, at the very beginning, uh, the cost for a PCR to the practice uh, was in the range of, uh, uh, you know, 50 euros, uh, maybe they're around. Uh, and uh, obviously this is a cost that is justifiable for uh, surgery when uh, you, you, have a lot, you have a lot of profit. Uh, uh, that was not really justifiable for, uh, for uh, you know, consultation visits, uh, pre-op exams and all that. So we ended up uh, finding an, a kind of elegant way to offer these uh, tests uh, also to the uh, accompanying persons uh, uh, who were not supposed to be screened uh, and not supposed to enter the practice. Uh, uh, but at that time, sir, it was difficult to have these tests done. Uh, and so a lot of people uh, liked the idea of, uh, you, know, you know, bringing someone from the family or friends or relatives uh, like this, uh, and maybe pay a little bit of, of money for having a test and making sure they were not, uh, uh, you know, uh, asymptomatic uh, or so. So that was an expense, but also uh, we found a way for uh, at least reducing the costs of the expense it, uh, itself. What brought you the biggest gain, the change or the adaption that you performed in your practice and your routine, where you really saw, wow, that is something that like, uh, where, where I really had a benefit from. And I would have never thought about it without COVID. Well, uh, probably, as I said, the, 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 the biggest advantage that we had uh, if we can save, talk about an advantage, obviously, of the pandemic uh, was uh, on the uh, realization that uh, the understanding that, uh, you know, reaching out to the patients uh, can be as efficient as uh, waiting for them. So the way that uh, we started, you know, involving the patients, uh, communicating with them, uh, as I said earlier, uh, um, uh, trying uh, not only to be you know, uh, nice and smart when they used to call, but also try to be nice and smart in reaching out to them, uh, if not uh, asked, even if that was not asked, uh, you know, opened, really opened a new way for, uh, let's say for marketing. I mean, really, um, that was that was a game changer. In, in the past, uh, we, we never, uh, really solicit, uh, let's say, uh, patients uh, to come uh, to have surgery done. Uh, and uh, with, the, with the pandemic, actually, we started, you know, finding those uh, patients uh, who were already, uh, you know, coming in the past into the practice, maybe myopic or having a little bit of cataract, uh, and calling them back and saying, listen, this is a good opportunity for you because uh, you are in lockdown, uh, we are in lockdown, you are at home working, you are not going to the office, uh, and this may be a good option for you to have surgery done during this period of, the, of uh, your life uh, because you have more time to, for, uh, for having it done, you have much less other things to do. And actually this was uh, 
kind of a surprisingly efficient way for, uh, you know, as I said, maintaining a, a good volume of surgeries, uh, which at the end of the day is the, you know, the highest uh, revenue generator. Oh, I have to absolutely agree with you. When I think about our, well, what brought us the most, uh, it was opening a test center in our main facility and, uh, and offering now vaccinations at all my facilities. Because that indirect marketing that patients sign up and come into practice just for a vaccination, but they see the facility, they see the staff, uh, we have a really high increase in patient appointments now. And that only happened over communication that was not ophthalmology related. I mean, the idea of vaccination uh, is really, uh, you know, innovative, especially for a practice like yours, uh, that is uh, uh, ophthalmology, uh, almost ophthalmology only related. Uh, and I never heard about something like this. I, I really like to congratulate with this, uh, you know, novel, innovative approach. That, that, that is a very, very brilliant idea. We did hit, I think, 1,300 vaccinations over the last four weeks just today. So it's a very efficient way to bring patient, new patients in your practice, because I have to say it's 90% patients that have not been our patients before. Andre, many of my patients had the experience that was wearing those masks, they got foggy glasses, uh, they had difficulties getting dry eye, especially with the computer work. Uh, do you feel that when the first changes came along and you started operating again, that you had more demands for trifocal lenses or laser refractive surgery in those cases? So in our case, something very interesting happened. So. Um, the number of, uh, as you do, I do a lot of laser uh, vision correction. So I do smile, I do press beyond, I do femtolasic, uh, and I use a lot of multifocals. So uh, all the numbers of premium surgery went up like crazy. So like in 2020, we had about 70% increase in laser vision correction and in premium surgery. So I think that people... Uh, started to uh, think more of themselves, got scared because, well, everything was happening. So they were depending on one more thing like glasses. So um, yes, the, the demand was very high and it still um, keeps to that level at this very moment. What I've seen recently, very interestingly, the, the, the number of refractive surgery uh, laser refractive surgery decreased a little bit, just in, insignificant, but the number of um, cataract surgery demands is very high. I think because of the things calming down a little bit in Romania and elderly people coming out and wanting to solve, solve their, their problems. But yes, having premium IOLs like trifocals or multifocals and uh, high-end uh, laser vision correction helped us a lot. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. I can see that on our own numbers, they're increasing and they're now increasing also with cataract. Asa, what is your, you said it's already, the situation is still not as good in Brazil as it is in Europe already with the uh, amount of people that are vaccinated and the people that are hospitalized. But what's your feeling about a refractive surgery at the moment? During the, the pandemic, uh, we have a, a reduction uh, in the number of consultations in our clinic. But we had to focus on increasing our cataract surgery conversion rate uh, to financially balance our, our business. Uh, 
refractive surgery and cataract refractive surgery also. And since we had more chair time with our patients and together with the improvements in technologies, uh, we achieved a significant increase in our conversion rate into premium surgeries, especially trifocal IOLs. And as, as you said, the use of masks uh, create fogginess and patients had a greater desire to be spectacle-free. And I'm not a refractive surgeon. Uh, uh, my wife, uh, she, she is a, a laser sur uh, surgeon. And we also observed that uh, the volume, uh, the decrease of volume was not so important uh, in this uh, specialty. Uh, Scatrack surgery, the, the, the patients are elderly, uh, the impact uh, of this decrease uh, was was more important than the refractive procedures. Asa, well, I think you, you summarized it did really well what is changing right now. Asa, if we look at the cataract surgery and especially the cataract surgery workflow, uh, did you incorporate more telemedicine or uh, different ways of counseling the patients because you you just have a better connectivity of the devices during the time or do you feel that you didn't really make many changes in your uh, practice we we have uh, i i love technology and I, I i really like new technologies and here uh, our workflow uh, helped uh, a lot in this time of pandemic uh, we have, I already said, we have everything integrated, our uh, surgical center and our clinic with all the devices, and it helped uh, a lot uh, in this time. Telemedicine, uh, here we had uh, a problem, I don't know, in Europe is the same thing, but uh, as many cataract patients are elderly, uh, the family often comes to the consultation to help to understand the procedure. And this could not continue due, due to the possibility of crowding in the waiting rooms. Uh, so we created a direct communication channel for pre and post operatory guidance. Uh, I think it, it helped a lot uh, in this uh, to avoid this crowding in the, the waiting rooms in, uh, in our office, our clinic. Andre, you are a very experienced refractive surgeon. How did you incorporate or did you incorporate telemedicine or outside counseling uh, with your patients? And did you also try to connect your medical devices like the IOL master, the Atlas topographer into that so you basically can work from home with them? So you know what we did uh, when the lockdown came in, we got lots of messages from patients who were, you know, like chronic patients um, and uh, we decided to implement this uh, telemedicine and we use it we used it, used it for free for all the, those lockdown months also uh, you know we thought that patients were in need and they wanted to talk to a specialist a specialist and guide them through these days and if the glasses are fogging and they have dry eyes and what shall we do with the drops his he had glaucoma or something something like that so also, we use this uh, platform, uh, we integrated it, as you know, we have uh, our own EMR, 
and we, we have integrated this platform with the EMR, so we can manage it directly. And when we, uh, we got into the lockdown, we had to cancel 1,700 and something uh, uh, patients. So uh, then we realized that we need to manage them. So before uh, going back to work, I think three weeks before, uh, we split all this number to all our doctors and we got in contact with them with the uh, telemedicine platform and uh, we tried to see what's their problem and what should be their uh, flow in the clinic and uh, it helped us a lot we kept this uh, service uh, two more months for free it was uh, without charge for the patient and then we started to charge a little bit less than a normal consultation and we still use it as Arthur said. So for instance, we limited the access of the accompanying persons in our clinic in order to improve the workflow. We can meet with the patient online before we discuss what their needs and then we know that they have to do this, this and that. And also if they have things that they didn't understand, we use it throughout their uh, uh, their journey in our uh, clinic. So I think it's very useful and we will continue to use it forever, I think. And for the people who are elderly and they did not manage to uh, connect with Zoom, for instance, because it's we use Zoom, uh, we simply called on WhatsApp or called, try to make video conference on WhatsApp, or I just simply call them on the phone and it still helps. I think it's an amazing tool that found its place in our lives. As you know, Andre, in Germany, everything is more complicated. So we only can use certified telemedicine channels, but um, we did manage to implement that with our, uh, with our patients. And I started using the telemedicine platforms for the two reasons. One is for basically pre-op counseling and creating leads. So I only offered second opinion for cataracts and first information online visits for refractive patients that just want to get informed. And then what we started to implement is patients knew we have to reduce chair time. We have to reduce the in-office time. So what we offered them is they get all their examinations. They get a a quick explanations because usually the pupils are dilated anyways and they can't read properly and they go home with all the material and then we make a little video call where we go over each point over the whole examination and use all the data that we collected because now it's very simple you can look at your forum system from home you have all the measurements available and that makes it a really smooth process in the counseling and the patient at least I had the feeling we had a higher conversion rate with that because the patients feel better taken care of. Francesco, did you implement any kind of telemedicine during the time of COVID? Um, we did a little bit, but in full honesty, uh, as, uh, as it was and as it is now, I, I'm not sure that telemedicine is a, 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 a really efficient tool to go with uh, as regards ophthalmology. Because unfortunately, uh, a remote uh, visit, a remote possibility for really, you know, checking what is wrong with patients' uh, eyes or, or sight or vision, uh, it's 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 kind of uh, you know challenging. We we, we don't we, we still we are still missing the technology for doing this, uh, 
and I know that uh, a lot of is, is uh, a lot of it is under development now. But as it was, especially uh, you know uh, March to May or, or June last year, the possibility for really screening patients uh, or uh, doing what we really can call telemedicine was minimal. So I think that uh, more than telemedicine in the real as, as a real world, uh, I think that the greatest approach that uh, could uh, uh, have been done and to do it, uh, as I said, is, uh, you know, getting to the patients. I mean, showing your face, uh, showing uh, your willingness to interact with them. Obviously, we, we, we open a kind of consultation uh, service for the patients, uh, but more than on diagnostics, uh, the consultation was more on the indication for surgery, more on the, you know, uh, suggestions on what to do or what not to do in some cases, uh, or even the idea of telling the patients, uh, yes, uh, you have uh, an issue that may be dangerous for your eye, your sight, uh, uh, or your vision. Uh, so better if you come to the office or, no, don't worry, this is not very important. Uh, don't take the risk of going around uh, and stay at home. So more than really telemedicine, uh, we, we, we try to outreach the patients. Uh, that, 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 that is the main, the main point. So you also offer a great portfolio to your patients. Um, when you look back at your refractive numbers, um, many of my colleagues reported they had really increasing numbers during during COVID and even now. Do you have the same experience in Italy? Um, not at the very beginning, not at the immediate, uh, let's say, end of the severe lockdown period. Numbers uh, used to grow significantly, and I go back to the period, uh, June, July, when, you know, August has always been out in Italy. So even last year, August was a, a month off uh, because of holidays and vacation. But then September, October, November, December. I mean, uh, for elective procedures like refractive surgery, uh, refractive lens exchange, uh, all that can be decided by the patients, uh, uh, um, you know, taken as a, as a, as a, as a something to improve their life, something to improve their comfort, uh, something to improve their, you know, uh, um, daily activities. Uh, I would say yes. Uh, I mean, patients, uh, for many reasons, became more available in undergoing uh, uh, these kind of elective procedures. Uh, and there are many reasons beyond it, because, what, I mean, you know, the, the, the fog from uh, the mask on the glasses, uh, the fact of spending hours in front of the computer, the reason of not having uh, other expenses, uh, no possibility for going out to restaurants, no possibility to travel and all of that uh, made that these uh, potential patients are saving a little bit of money to have this procedure the procedures done. So definitely, um, and again, I don't want to say this is a nice uh, uh, outcome from a pandemic, uh, but, uh, you know, what was uh, something really worrying for, uh, you know, practice owners like uh, you and I turned out to be an opportunity that uh, uh, was, you know, kind of efficient also in terms of finance. Magda, was there any like specific refractive success story for you during the last uh, 14, 16 months during the COVID pandemic? Where you really say, yeah, that is something that I, uh, where I could really make, help those patients with like a latest technology IOL or latest technology laser treatment? Yes, in the last time I involved during the pandemic, but mixed uh, technology. Hydres, I was the first who performed implantation in, uh, in Europe, also clinical study, and Omni, but it is another story. It is glaucoma story. 
I uh, I work with some new technologies. Um, I I, um, I implanted um, new trifocal lenses trio on biotech. Then I as well started to implant and perform a small study of hydrophilic asymmetric um, intraocular lens from, from Teleon. Uh, so uh, other hydrophilic lenses, the trifocal. I involve now the patient is very satisfied on the lenses as well, not so expensive because, of, because as I mentioned before, some patients lost their jobs, their employment, and they don't have the money. Uh, the enhanced techniques, I am very satisfied with the result, results of the lens. Yes, uh, to the previous discussion, I want to say uh, that after the refractive surgeries, after after clear lens change and as well an examination surgery, we are not allowed to uh, to write uh, the patient um, uh, the, the the note the sick note. So now is the reason that uh, the refractive surgery cases increase because um, a lot of people work in the home office and it is from the people easier to stay a couple of days at home uh, after the career lens exchange or after uh, refractive surgery, however, and uh, so the interest on the refractive surgery increased. It is only a comment to the previous discussion. I, I think COVID has taught us all a lot. And I, at least for myself, I know there's actually a lot of things that we have kept and that will further on improve our practice. Asa, if you can decide on one example of what you learned or what you changed or what you improved in your clinic, what you're going to keep and further develop in the future, will you give me one of those examples to share? I learned to live with less patient and less money. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, with the use of the technology, we, we have improved our interface with the patients and they are embracing technology and consequently by becoming more efficient and safe, we have improved our patient-doctor relationship. I think uh, that's it for me. If you think about your or a success story during the last 12 months in relation to a new device, uh, uh, a new lens or a new laser, was there anything that you purchased for your practice uh, during the time that you really feel, yeah, that brought me forward? Well, more than a device or a surgical solution, I think that uh, what made a difference is uh, was uh, like literally striving for uh, uh, outcomes, uh, striving for excellence, uh, striving for, uh, you know, values, uh, values in terms of uh, spectacle independence, uh, values in terms of, uh, you know, avoiding to wear uh, glasses. Uh, so actually, I, um, I mean, my practice has always been uh, like a, you know, purely and totally private. Uh, so uh, the target patients uh, uh, um, have always been, uh, you know, uh, uh, posed with, uh, uh, you know, premium procedures like a uh, biopic retinitis and all of that. I think that the uh, um, um, game changer was uh, really uh, 
proposing, uh, promoting more and more and more uh, all the procedures uh, that uh, were showing patients uh, highest uh, levels uh, of value. When I say value, it means uh, benefits, advantages. And this is for all the premium procedures. Andre, what did you learn or what are you willing to share um, what really helped you and what you're going to continue to work on? So I think that this thing has forced us to uh, use our minds and to make everybody's life much better in terms of workflow. So we, our workflow improved absolutely amazing. And uh, we have more time for ourselves, more time to do things that we love. Also in private, not only in the clinic. <laughs> Which technology... Andre, that's a second question for you. Would you invest in right now in that pandemic where you really think that still keeps me and might also help Arthur to come over his problems having less patience and less money? You know, I've always tried to have a different technology than everybody else I'm talking about in Romania. So maybe, as you know, Uh, I, in, I, we, our clinic introduced Smile in Romania for the first time in 2014. Then we, uh, we have introduced uh, Presbyond in 2019. And we were the first ones who start to use the trifocals from Zeiss. And uh, I'm always uh, paying attention in having how to dif differentiate ourselves. So I think uh that having the uh, a whole range of um refractive platform like um addressing to everybody's problem problems uh helps a lot so out of all of this experience we had i think being different in a good way and providing everything for your area of or your field of work is the most important thing Is there one specific technology where you would say that you implemented in the last 12 months that you would highlight, like diffractive uh, profiles, um, new lenses, a new laser correction like uh, LASIK, Smile, Presbyond, mono, uh, new monovision approaches where you really say, yes, that is something um, that I learned in that time and that I'm going to keep and that really like is a benefit to my practice. In terms of, uh, uh, you know, procedures or devices, uh, I found myself uh, finding very interesting uh, uh, two, two new uh, profiles uh, for presbyopecorrectine uh, IULs, uh, non-diffractive uh, EDOF IUL, as well as a diffractive uh, EDOF one, EDOF plus uh, multifocal one, that uh, 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 gave uh, patients uh, more advantages, at least in my hands, uh, compared to the previous generation of uh, the iOS that I was implanting. As well as uh, what we can say, presbyopia correction uh, through uh, laser technology. I mean, my numbers uh, grew, grew quite significantly for presbylasic, if we want to call it like this, uh, regardless to the system that you're using. Uh, and I found patients have been very, very, Uh, uh, not only satisfied uh, after the procedure, but also uh, uh, happy to afford the procedure that they felt less invasive than uh, um, um, refractive lens exchange uh, and, uh, you know, kind of easier to receive uh, than, uh, you know, a more invasive procedure. 
Magda, which tip would you share with someone else? What you learned from COVID or what you developed during the COVID pandemic and something that you will continue in the future? Uh, we learned to be more effective, me and my team, in the short time. Uh, so the, um, the examination for the uh, surgical procedure in, is now uh, running smoother, faster. I consult the patients uh, during five minutes, um, five minutes, ten minutes, so the patient know what uh, operation would be the best with procedure for them uh, to demand, uh, to answer uh, to their demand uh, the, uh, which operation would have as well uh, less risk from them. Yes. It is, I think it is the message that we have to, uh, to but still, when we want to be effective or we uh, work very fast, we have to have still an open ear for the demands of the patient, for their needs, for their complaints, because it's only then we can uh, get satisfied patients. Uh, what is the one thing that you have learned from this COVID pandemia that like maybe like changed your character or changed the way you see things um, and that really like helped you to get through the time and still be as successful or even more successful than before? Well, uh, I think uh, what, what I learned actually is uh, ancient experience, uh, as everybody's talking about, uh, is... Uh, key factor is the most important uh, approach that uh, uh, we can give the patients uh, and uh, probably for the patients as well uh, is uh, a key uh, decision maker uh, to go to a practice or another one uh, because of what the other people that have already been in, in the same practice are, are reporting about. And when I talk about patient experience, uh, I'm talking about uh, the whole process uh, it goes from the first call, uh, phone call, I mean, uh, down to the um, last shake of hands after the surgery and after the last part of the visit. So we learned quite a lot of that, uh, uh, um, especially because of the pandemic, uh, patients love to be loved. And so we tried to give them the feeling uh, that they were not just numbers, they were not just cases, they were not just, uh, uh, you know, uh, medical uh, subjects. Uh, we, we, we really learned to give them uh, the uh, idea, the experience of uh, an involvement that, uh, as well as a procedure, was uh, personalized and it is still personalized on a one-to-one -one basis. And this uh, happened through, as I said, uh, direct conversations, but also through the web, through our uh, um, um, web page, uh, through the social media we are using. Uh, and we really shifted uh, our approach, uh, our attitude uh, to, to, to be more friendly with the patients, to be more at a level, at their side. And I found that this was, uh, again, one of the elements that changed uh, not only because of COVID, uh, but uh, changed the practice, uh, the heart of the practice, uh, uh, maybe in a better way, and this is going to be maintained in future. You know, I actually learned very two important things from COVID. One is that uh, even only having a video call or having a phone call with my colleagues can really help me to improve myself and my practice. 
because that's where you still get the best ideas and you don't need to be at a conference in person. And the second thing I really learned is workflow optimization is the key aspect. Connectivity between different medical devices in the diagnostic field and, uh, and having a smooth uh, walkway for the patient to, uh, through the practice can reduce chair time and also time spent in the office. And that's what we are really focusing right now because it makes everything much more efficient. And I believe COVID won't be the last pandemic that we are really uh, having. So Asa, I hope you also feel a little bit better about your reduced income and your reduced patients. And I don't know, you just wanted to comment on something. Go on. The Zeiss Forum uh, helped uh, a lot in this integration. And uh, one year ago, uh, we have upgraded uh, our forum with the Cataract Suite, uh, the eKey Workplace. And this integration uh, helped us uh, a lot uh, in our workflow. Uh, speeding up the pre-op planning, as I, I, I said, and uh, uh, the printing of documents uh, was really reduced here. And the patient, uh, the patient and the doctor uh, were really, really happy with with this uh, this workflow efficiency. Yes, uh, the key workplace helped me a lot uh, along during during this this year. Oh, I can absolutely agree. It helped us to become more paperless and to have less files being carried through. Uh, and also that was like an additional safety measure. This was a great discussion. And I think we all learned a little more that we can take back to our clinics to help improve our business models. I'm Florian Kretz. And along with our panelists, Francesco Coronas, Andre Philipp, Magda Rao and Asa Vandenberg, we'd like to thank you for joining us. Take care.